0: Trent, do you want to team preach this? This would be this is a perfect. I don't know what you're, what, I've hand? I've never yeah withered oh, hand. I've got that. I know I've never team proct before, so we should try that. So you want to do another flaw? Yes, yes. That'd be smart. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, good morning, everyone. Um, I got to hit on that lovely box over there. Uh, I love. That's a cajon. If you don't know what that is, that came out weird. I got to hit on that lovely box. I, <laughs> Moving on. Um, So... (laughs) Uh, So today we get to continue our series. We're we're in this this series through our core values at Community. Last week we spent some time, and we're going to move right on from that boxing. We got to spend some time last week on authenticity. I'm just being authentic with you guys. I'm uncomfortable with what I had just said. Um, (laughs) We spent some time last week talking about authenticity, and we did so by looking at the letter of Romans, and he was encouraging his his hearers, his readers, uh, to offer their, their bodies as living sacrifices. And the point was that God wants all of us not just like the manicured life that we pretend to have, but he wants all of it, the sin and everything. Uh, So to to, to bring our our imperfections to God is a part of our authentic worship. And this week, we get to introduce empowerment, which is a perfect week to have uh, a mission moment like that, because what missions is about is about being empowered and empowering others um, to do godly sized and godly work. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, the way I wanted to start talking about empowerment uh, is to say that we are all empowered, um, and there's a little bit of maybe some fear that comes with being empowered. Uh, and we know empowerment mostly through our workplaces, our school, and then like growing up and becoming an adult. So, how many of you have like mastered the whole adulting thing? Yeah, none of us, right? Uh, because what, what empowerment kind of entails is that as we, as we gain more and more uh, responsibilities or the more we are empowered, the more chances we have at like falling short or failing or like flopping hard on some of those things. Uh, so I actually wanted to, um, I wanted to start with just this video. I don't do videos very often, but this is a video kind of basically saying when you give human beings the chance, we will make dumb decisions. And we will mess up. Uh, So, this is just a quick one minute video, like uh, exemplifying that reality. So what we believe about empowerment, um, is we believe that God is doing something in all of our lives and that he knows better than us. But the fear of empowerment is that as we, as we gain responsibilities, as God has called us to new and unique situations and scenarios, we have the chance to mess that up. Now, uh, not all of us are going to try jumping from the roof to the trampoline to the pool. Um, but you could probably see where some of those things might go wrong. So we're talking about empowerment this morning, um, because when humans are given the opportunity, we will fail miserably. And some of that, we eat up, right? It's great. We love to laugh, at, uh, laugh with other people who have, who have made mistakes. Um, other times, when we really take it seriously, we're terrified. When we really think about the fact that you and I are called uniquely by God for a ministry, for a purpose, to be empowered. I'm really loud, I think. Am I, am I, can we come down just a little bit on my voice? Sorry, thank you. Um, when we really start to consider that God has called all of us to a unique ministry in our lives, maybe not in these four walls, but in our lives, I think that's terrifying, because we have the chance to mess up. We have the chance to, to fall short and just kind of kind of drop the ball on that. Now we're going to approach empowerment by looking at the story of, of Jesus coming into contact with a man uh, with a withered hand. Uh, just to set up the story just a little bit, the way that Mark writes, Mark is like the most dramatic of the of the gospel writers. Uh, he writes mostly focused on uh, Jesus' actions. Uh, so you, you see like they immediately, Jesus and his disciples got up, immediately went to this place and this place and this place. When Jesus acts and moves uh, in the gospel of Mark, Mark usually draws some special attention to that. Uh, we're going to dive into Mark chapter three, and it's just the first, the first six verses. So the story is kind of set up the week before that this happened in the gospel, Jesus Jesus and his disciples were walking through some grain, uh, some, some field, some grains of field, field grains, fields of grain, fields of grain. Just like last week during communion. Oh gosh. When I held up the gluten-free crackers and I said, these are the crackers of gluten-free. It just came out backwards. <laughs> Uh, so this, this story is about a week after the Sabbath where, where Jesus and his disciples were, were plucking um, some grains from the fields. And, and the Pharisees called them out like, hey, you're working on the Sabbath. And Jesus basically said, we're hungry. We got to eat. A week later, it's the Sabbath. The Pharisees are watching Jesus. Uh, the Pharisees are these, these Jewish uh, men who have, who have just kind of fallen into uh, this tradition. And you see Jesus and the Pharisees kind of going back and forth. So Jesus enters the synagogue. We pick up Mark chapter 3, just the first six verses. Again, he, Jesus, entered the synagogue. And a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus, the Pharisees, to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And Jesus said to the man with a withered hand, Hey, come here. And he said to them, the Pharisees, Hey, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm? To save a life or or to kill? But the Pharisees were silent. Jesus looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out. And his hand was restored. Restored. The Pharisees went out immediately, held counsel with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. So this, 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 this little section of six verses, we see time and time again the Pharisees who are looking for a way uh, to kind of stomp out this movement of, of, of Christ. The people who are following Christ they are trying to stomp this out, and so they're looking for ways to destroy Jesus. We're going to kind of work through these six verses just, just, just slowly uh, and, and not pick them apart, but see what they have to say a little bit more closely. So Jesus enters the synagogue, uh, and there's a man there with a the withered hand. Now, the, the synagogue probably looked like a room like this. Now, if you Imagine there were there were instead of these uh, this archway here there were large pillars kind of on the outside uh, and some people would be in the middle uh, and they were they would have debates and they would talk and some people would be sitting on the benches or on the outside which is probably where the man with the withered hand was sitting on the on the outsides of the synagogue. So Jesus walked in. There was a man with a withered hand, and that word "withered." Um, it's not just uh, so, so. If you imagine what happens to a grape when you dehydrate it, it turns into a raisin. Uh, this is the the same word that's used when a plant uh, has been deprived of water for for a long period of time, and it is shriveled up um, and lifeless. It's it's unusable. It's, uh, th- this is that word. So this this man has a hand that's that's entirely withered. Uh, he can't use it. It's it's basically useless. And I think Mark is drawing our attention to that for a reason. So the Pharisees, they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal them on the Sabbath. Now, just to take a minute to look at the state of God's people here. They're not concerned about whether or not he's going to perform a miracle. Like, they're not impressed with that. Uh, They're looking, if he does, it's the Sabbath, and they're going to accuse him and figure out a way uh, to accuse him and destroy him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, hey, Come here. And once again, this man is probably standing off on the side of the synagogue, not drawing attention, uh, not drawing attention to himself. In many ways, if you had something like this, society told you uh, not to be involved, not to be in the center, not to be a part of this sort of thing, because you must have done something wrong to deserve, uh, to deserve such a, a withered hand, to deserve a hand like that. You must have done something wrong. So he's off to the side. Jesus says, you know what? I want you to come here into the center. Jesus said to them to the Pharisees is it lawful on the sabbath to do good or to do harm to save life or to kill now one of the ways that ancient like Jewish rhetoric worked as uh, if if you could kind of talk your way into stumping the, the person who's arguing against you that was like the, that was a display of, of wisdom that's what Jesus is Jesus is doing here uh, he confronts them absolutely head on because he just had this the situation with them last week when he was in the fields and last week, when he was in the field, Jesus points out to the Pharisees that the Sabbath, which they accused him of breaking, was made for man, not the other way around. Now, I wasn't, I wasn't a believer, nor was I around during the days when, probably in Zealand, uh, if you were to mow your lawn or watch TV on a Sunday, uh, you would have a visit from an elder from your church. Now, that might still happen. Um, so if, if you're mowing your lawn today, we'll send somebody out to get you. Um, but, what, but what Jesus is saying here is that the Sabbath that, that God instituted isn't, isn't to, to direct, direct your life in such a way that, that limits or, or, or keeps you from living life to its fullest, but it's made for you. And Jesus points that out to them the week before. He meets them f- uh, head on right here. And we, and we keep on going. So he looked, uh, he asked them that question, is, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save or to kill? And the Pharisees, they, they, have, they have nothing. He looked around at them with anger, mm-hmm. grieved at their hardness of heart, that word, anger, is like this—this this strong uh, indignation when somebody does something wrong. Uh, you almost think like it's—it's it's not that he—he's—it's not that he hates the Pharisees. But when you see injustice in the world happening, your heart breaks for it. And this is why Team World Vision is is running uh, next week, because we see injustice and that makes us angry. And so we respond. This is the kind of indignation Jesus is having because he sees the oppression that God's people have brought into the world. He looks at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart and said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he, he stretched it out. Now, his hand was restored, and the question now the Pharisees are going to have to wrestle with, Jesus never touched the guy. It said he spoke. So is it work if Jesus speaks a miracle into existence, or is it only work if he, if he, if he, if he uses his hands uh, to make sure that this guy's withered hand is restored and he can stretch it out? Now they have to kind of wrestle with that. But the Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him, seeking how to destroy him. Once again, we look at the Pharisees, and, and, and they see this miracle, and instead of responding with awe and fear like they, like they should, uh, they're looking not at the miracle, but they're debating whether or not uh, he was working on the Sabbath, and they're trying to find a way to destroy him. Now, uh, what's interesting about this is in, in, in ancient uh, uh, Judaism, the Pharisees normally, if, if the Sabbath was like, oh, he might have broken it, um, the, the, the penalty would not have been this severe. The Pharisees, in general, have brought all these traditions together, and kind of they took the law and they they expanded it, uh, and, and they they made little tiny details for every little aspect of your life. Uh, and now, right here, they're they're taking their own traditions, and then even going farther. So, like their normal traditions, they're taking that one step even farther. Now, for a, just for a moment, in stories like this, when we talk about the Pharisees, we usually take a look at the Pharisees, the ones who are doing things wrong. It's really easy to get wrapped up on figuring out, okay, who are the Pharisees today? Well, it's probably us a lot of the time. But we, we, also, we also get wrapped up in, uh, okay, w- what what did they do wrong? Uh, what can we avoid? Uh, what's wrong with this whole system? The whole thing is just it's just, it's just, it's just wrong. We get wrapped up on, on some of the things that are wrong, but I want to actually get wrapped up for just a minute in the miracle. For just a minute to look at what Jesus did in this man's life Instead of looking at the hardness of heart of the Pharisees. So what do we know about this man? Uh, we know he had a withered hand. Uh, we don't know if he had extra nerve damage, um, which Trent can speak to that. He said nerve damage for how many years? For 31 years, this March, um, and and you've you've prayed for that, and you've had people pray for that. If you ever see uh, Trent shake your hand, he'll use his left. That's 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 why he's got some nerve damage in the right. Um, when you shake his right hand, what do you call it? You roll the window down. That's the that's the because <laughs> it, it sends just just painful. Uh, nerve yeah, pain tingling up his up his arm, up his hand. Uh, but for a moment, let's take a look at this man who's got this withered hand. We don't know how long it's been withered, right? We don't know if he was born with this thing uh, or if when he was little, uh, he had some nerve damage and that ended up, uh, you know, lack of blood flow. And so his, his hand kind of shriveled up. We don't get some of that information, but we do know, uh, what we do know is that he's off to the side and he's got this thing going on with his hand. Uh, and we, we, we do know that what society says about somebody who's experienced something like that is they must have done something wrong to deserve it. So this man who's out on the side, he comes in, he's got this, this, this withered lifeless dead hand that he just can't use. And Jesus says, I want you to stretch it out. Look at that miracle. Now I want to also look at this. This is like a perfect picture of the gospel. So the the man comes in with the withered hand, this useless dead thing, and Jesus speaks life into it. When you and I were still dead in our sin, Jesus decided to come and to give his life so that we might have life. And at the same time, the Pharisees aren't looking at the miracles. They're looking for ways to to, to accuse and to destroy Jesus. So so we have this, this withered hand that Jesus now breathes life into it. Now, the question is, after this man's hand is healed, what do you imagine he's going to start doing with it? You, using it. He's going to do like handy stuff. He's going to like pick up cups and, 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 and maybe make some stuff. He's going to shake hands with his right hand, right? If, 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 your, if your nerve damage was healed, you would shake everyone's hand. You'd probably walk around shaking everyone's hand. Uh, he's often, he's probably going to use it after he's gained uh, use of it back. Now, when we take a look at if you and I were dead in our sins and Christ came and gave us life, not just like we were, we were drowning and, and almost dead, but we were dead without a heartbeat. We were like that withered hand and Christ gave us life. The question is, with that life, what do we then do? We use it. Now, I have to admit, like this, this past week... Uh, when talking about empowerment and talking about the challenge that I'll kind of give us at the end of this whole thing, I realize that I'm, I, I haven't been doing it as, as well as I thought in my life. I haven't been, I haven't been uh, being empowered and I haven't been empowering others like I thought uh, in, in my life. Now the first thing I bet this man did after he got the use of his hands back, he probably started clapping, right? Just like I want, I want to see it. If I can make noise with this with her hand now, he probably does that. And and if you've if you've got a uh, if you've got a story in your life where there was a moment in your life you decided to make your faith your own, to make your faith like uh, real and take hold of that. Often when that happens, we we explode with this excitement for Christ and we run with it. We run, 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 run. Until all of a sudden we realize we start relying on some of our own powers, and uh, and that's where this message right here is absolutely paramount because empowerment is not recognizing how great we are. It's not recognizing the power that we have. It's not recognizing the awesome gifts that, that we've got or how, how much we have accomplished or all the steps that we've, we've taken for ourselves in our own life. I want to I suggest that empowerment isn't about those things. It's not about our goodness, but Empowerment is about the goodness of the God who dwells inside of us. Empowerment is about the the goodness of the God who who has taken each of those steps with us. Empowerment is about recognizing what he has called us to accomplish through his spirit. It is about uh, his gifts that he's breathed into us and sustains us by his spirit. And so as this man kind of stretches out his withered hand, I want to just encourage us to think about if we were dead in our sin and we came to life, what are some ways that we are stretching out our hand? And are we? Like, are we we responding to the new life that we have in Christ by using that life? The challenge for us today is if Christ has breathed life into us, are we responding like people who have received that life? Because there's no way that this guy with the, with the withered hand, who now has a fully functioning hand, is going to walk around with his hand behind his back his whole life. He's going he's gonna to start, start using it. And, then in, and if we're responding like a people who have received life, are we encouraging others in that same way? Because often we receive this life, and then just, 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 just like the Pharisees, sometimes we receive this grace, and then we start asking, all right, what are we still allowed to do? What can't we do uh, any longer? How many times do I need to go to church in a month? Is it one? Is it two? Is it three? Is it four? Uh, how often do we need to go to the midweek mosaic stuff? It's getting kind of old. This is like, uh, we, we, we just can't, we start, we start laying out these little uh, rules and regulations for ourselves. And I think the, the thing about empowerment is recognizing that it's not about those little details, but it's just about responding as a people who have received that life. I'm going to go back to the passage that we read last week um, I think it actually speaks wonderfully, and it's not going to be on the screen. This is from Paul's letter to the church in Rome. And he, and he says this, after, after talking, talking about offering our lives as living sacrifices, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. So if, if prophecy in, in proportion to our faith is service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy uh, with cheerfulness, the, the point isn't to feel bad about what we aren't doing, but there is, there is some, some goodness to, to evaluating our lives. As I looked back over this past couple of weeks at my life, I asked myself, have I been living in a way like somebody who has received life? And in so many ways, I'm not. I'm living in a way that, uh, that says I care for myself and I care for uh, my home and I care for my house and I care for my yard and I care for uh, my stock of musical equipment and I care for uh, the foods that I like, especially wing doozy. Uh, some of you know what I'm talking about. There are some things that, that, I, think, uh, that I think I do well. I get to, I get to, to beat that box this morning. That was, that was fun. I said that differently that time. <laughs> But if if we were really honest with ourselves, if we took a look at the gifts that we believe God has given us, the challenge is, are we using those gifts? Are we responding like a people who have received gifts? Are we responding like a people whose, whose withered hand has been stretched out? Are we using the life that God has given us? I think that's what empowerment is, is recognizing God has called us to a unique ministry and it's not us that has to sustain it. He's the one who sustains it he's the one who carries us through. So instead of getting wrapped up about which rules we have to follow, which laws that we have to, to pay attention to, uh, what we can and cannot do, I just want to encourage us that we get to lean as a people who have received the life of Christ. We get to live that life of Christ in and for others. And the, the challenge for us as an empowered people is to then empower others in the same way. That's, that's, that's an encouragement to say, hey man, I really see this gift in you. You have a, an awesome gift. Uh, you have an awesome gift with, with teaching. So I think what do, what do you think about teaching? Uh, or you have an awesome, awesome gift with, with finances. What does it look like uh, to, to, to maybe open a, a, a budgeting class for people who really struggle with some of that stuff? Uh, the, the question isn't what can and can't we do, but can we respond as people who have received gifts and empowered by the Holy Spirit in life? Can we be a people already empowered? In a lot of ways, Community Reform Church has always been that. Whether it's uh, the Team World Vision Run, whether it's uh, hand-to-hand, whether it's the Dominican Republic, or whether it's, uh, we used to go down uh, to Jamaica, whether it's Anvil. uh, we, We have a community of believers who has responded to the life we've received with more life. And my challenge for us today is just an honest reflection about that. Are there some gifts in your life that you aren't using? There are definitely in mine but also to celebrate the gifts God has given you that you are using. It's okay to celebrate those things. So this week, uh, as you leave this place, as we uh, go back to our places of work, I I just want to ask you, uh, as just a reminder, are you stretching that hand this week? The hand that was dead, the hand that was useless. How can you start stretching that hand Throughout the week? How can you start responding to the new life we have in Christ? In your workplace, in your school, in your family, in your neighborhoods, in your travels, in your frustrations, in your trials, in the good and in the bad. How can you start stretching out that new life in Christ? And then how can you help your neighbor to do the same? It doesn't help to point out that our neighbor has a withered hand. How can we help them stretch that hand out? Because we aren't a people who have the ability to be empowered. We believe God is currently working in all of our lives. Like now, today. Not just sometime in the future. Yes, in the future. But also today. Because there's no doubt in my mind that the man with the withered hand after it was straightened out, he's going to start using it. So this week, how are you stretching out your hand? And how are you helping your neighbor to stretch out theirs? Would you pray with me? God, I thank you that when we were dead and withered, you died for us. When we were useless and lifeless, you gave your life for us And I pray that for myself and for all of us in this room, for a a righteous conviction, not a shame, but a conviction that, that asks how we can live as if we have life. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. We love you and we cherish you. You are worthy of our love and cherishing. I pray these things in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. As people said. Amen.